Hey everyone, the following episode contains subject matter that is not suitable for children, and some of these topics may be triggering for some people. Listener discretion is advised, but thank you so much for listening. This is the What If I Told You podcast, a show where we steer strictly clear of all poison. Yeah, huh? Yep. It's a Thursday evening. Thirsty Thursday. I am very proud to announce that I am officially an iPhone user. Keegan and I switched, we both splurged, got new phones. Treat yourself. And, I mean, it really was Maddie's fault. I'm sitting here with her talking numbers, and she's like, you know what? Fuck it. Treat yourself 2021! And it's been a journey so far. I don't regret it, but, I mean, I've never even held an iPhone for more than five seconds. <laughs> so I had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, and I feel like I know they're so much more fragile than Androids. Cause I mean, you can drop an Android off a 10 story building and it's yeah. not going to crack. Well, the new one is made of metal. Yes. So. I have the new one. Cause she fancy. I feel very fancy. Cause it's the gold. Although this doesn't seem very gold to me. It's like a pearl. It's like I think a pearl gold. Mine is more gold than yours. Yeah. I think the edges of mine look more gold. Yeah. Anyways, happy to be here, everyone. Welcome to the cult. You've joined, you have officially, fully, knowledgeably joined a cult. I told Keegan that now... He has a gift idea for my birthday. Some sort of Apple product. Um, yeah. Maybe Prob- an iPad? Maybe. maybe. My kids would just take it over, probably. Maybe the MacBook Air? Could do that. Um, you could get a Mac Mini, which is like a little box you plug into any monitor or TV. Boom, you have a... Got a Mac. I would like something this size. What's this? That's the MacBook Pro 13-inch. Okay. This model, though, she's she's an old bitch. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm just talking laptop. Yeah. Um, clearly, it's a good investment because she's eight years old. Damn. Never had a problem. Still kicking. Won't die on me. I've yeah. been waiting for it to die for at least two years because I've been wanting to get the desktop. And then I just had to say, fuck it, and just get the desktop, because... Well, thank goodness you did, because we would not be here today. That's correct. (laughs) That's correct. (laughs) So, yeah. Thank you, CARES Act. 
Thank you. Because I applied for a school grant. Mm-hmm. This is not stimulus money. I got a grant through school because of grades. Right. Got to buy this desktop. Hell yeah. So. Wonderful. Wonderful. So what did we have for foods today? We ate separately because it's Thursday. We did. We've got to change that, you guys. The holidays have really fucked up our equilibrium. Yes. So we're officially fully past the holidays. We are. We're in the new year. We're getting back on track this weekend. This weekend, we're going to kick it old school. I feel a little empty inside when I wake up on the weekend and I'm not here Mm -hmm. talking about things. And stuff. And stuff. Yeah. So this weekend, back to our roots. We're going to do it correct. Uh, I recently saw a post on Instagrams, and it was from Dakota. Biscuit French toast. It The picture he showed me looked incredible. Huh. And I was like, did you make that? Why are you showing this to me <laughs> if I can't actually eat it now? <laughs> So who knows? Maybe we maybe we're gonna be having biscuit French toast. Yeah, I I really like your biscuits. I'm gonna need you to just make biscuits. You know what? I was thinking <laughs> we need to eat some Casey's breakfast pizza on our next breakfast. You neck. know what? You're right. Casey's breakfast pizza is is a a must have. Yes, we've talked about it, but we've never eaten it for the show. Right. And I know next weekend we have something big coming up. Big. Big. um, It's going to be fun. It'll be a few episodes down the road, but we are doing the thing next weekend. We've got some exciting shit up our sleeves. And And we're going to make a big spread. Yeah, we're going to do it up correct. I'll, I'll probably do biscuits that day. Please do. Yeah. I think we should do... Some biscuits, some mm-hmm. eggs, eggs, bacon. You you need to put bacon in. Yeah, you always yeah. gotta have bacon. You should force Dakota to make some hash browns. He does bake a good hash brown. I will give give him that. And whatever else grill. we fancy. Yeah, he's good on the grill. He good. He's good with hash browns. He's good on the grill. Good on the griddle. Yes, if it can be <laughs> cooked on the griddle. Or the grill. He's your man. I'm the egg woman in this house, though. I just had a t-shirt idea. (laughs) Hit me with it, daddy. (laughs) It has nothing to do with the podcast. I think. (laughs) You should make Dakota a t-shirt that says, (laughs) good on the grill. (laughs) Good on the grill. He would like it. He would wear that he shit. Would love that so much. <laughs> Crying. Oh, Dakota's birthday is Sunday. Oh, really? Yeah. What, what date is Sunday? The tenth, January the tenth. Now we are coming into the month of birthdays for my family. 
today. Every one of my family is born in this month. And today is my friend Alexis's birthday. Happy birthday, Alexis. My friend Sierra's birthday. What's up, Sierra? Um, my sister's name is Sierra. Sierra with a C, this one. Ah. My late granddad's birthday. Today? Today. Nice. Um, A guy I graduated high school with, Corey. Today's his birthday also. Weird. It's a day to be born. And then. I think there's a couple other people I graduated with that have birthdays today. That's so weird. I know. What date is nine months prior? Prior. I don't know. Nothing special. No, I don't Easter? think so. Easter? <laughs> I mean, hallelujah, he has risen. <laughs> oh, no, that's like... <laughs> Abort. Abort. <laughs> uh, I did not think of the innuendo there. All right. <laughs> the ship has gone awry. I cannot be trusted. (laughs) (laughs) The tears are so real. (laughs) My stomach muscles. My body's like, what the fuck are these? (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay. It's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Moving on. Uh, okay. So, yeah, no real breakfast this morning. <laughs> Just lots of birthdays. Just way too many birthdays. <clears throat> My stepdad's birthday is Saturday. Well, hell then I, yeah. I, I'm telling you, everyone on my everyone on my birthday, everyone on <laughs> my family has a birthday this month. It's insane. And my grandparents' wedding anniversary is this month. What is up with the month of January? It's, you know. It's, I don't know. I don't know. Easter, I guess. Easter. Oh, okay. My birthday fell on Easter one year and it was very lame. Yeah. Very lame. Well, my birthday's in July, so nothing. I mean, I share my birthday with my good friend Amanda. Her and I have the same birthday. We're the exact same age. Um, which is odd. And her cousin Liz also shares the same birthday and is the same age. Really? Yes. Super odd. That is weird. So all three of us celebrated our 30th birthdays together at Amanda's parents' lake house because obviously you couldn't go out and do anything. So we just like 
hung out at their dock. Yeah, last year's birthdays were <sighs> lame. Yeah, I was really kind of depressed because it was like, you're supposed to do something like super cool on your 30th mm-hmm. birthday. And I wanted to see a drag show. Hell yeah. That was really like for the last five years I've been saying for my 30th birthday, I want to go to a drag show. It's been a minute since I have been to a drag show. Yeah. And, like, we have some amazing queens here in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And they do shows in Kansas City. Well. Yeah, we have two places. Yeah. In Kansas City. Yes. There are two really good venues here in Kansas City. Missy B's is the one that I have been to. Same. Um, <clears throat> But I've never seen, like, the three queens... That I follow on Instagram, Monique Hart, The Widow Von Du, and Crystal Method. Mm-hmm. That name is glorious. <laughs> They're also amazing, and they do performances here, but I have never seen any of them perform, which makes me a little sad. But next year, pandemic hopefully allows. I hopefully. really want to go to Vegas. Mm. And see, like, a drag show, maybe some Cirque du Soleil. Vinny. Vinny and Polly D. I mean, I'm trying to do all of it. Yes. And I'm going to say it's my 30th birthday because I got fucking cheated. Well, Keegan knows that you and I will be attending a Vinny show. Yes. I mean, they don't... The Chippendales, do they They don't do, like, fully frontal nudity, do they? I don't know. I'm not really I'm not really into that stuff. I don't really want to go see, like, a dick swinging show. No. Not going to lie. Who, who wants to see that? I don't understand, and no judgment. I'm just not into seeing male strippers. It doesn't, it's, it, it. I- I'm going to say something that's going to sound really weird. <laughs> I get, uh, anytime I've seen, like, like the Magic Mike movies, which are... Never even seen them. I like the first one a lot because Matthew McConaughey is hilarious. Oh, yeah. He just is himself as a stripper. Right. And it's great. Um, obviously, there's no full frontal nudity in mm-hmm. those movies. But... I get very distracted in a not, like, this is not a, like, a, ooh, I'm distracted sort of Mm -hmm. way. It's like a, oh, I can't stop looking at the movement happening in the crotchal region, (laughs) and it's so distracting to me, and it's not in a good way. So I can't imagine what I would be thinking if if it wasn't clothed. Right. If it was just out, moving around. Yeah. (laughs) It's just not. (laughs) I don't. Just. No. It would be be unpleasant for me and the dancer. I think so, too. Because I would have the look, like that. Like. Confused look on my face, staring Mm -hmm. at it. (laughs) (laughs) And he would be like, okay, you're clearly confused. (laughs) And I'm going to put this away. You don't know how this works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put that away. Yeah, I want to see Vinny just for the sheer awkwardness of that. Yeah, just because it's it's Vinny. Right. 
Do I find Vinny attractive? Not really. Not really. No. No. I just, it's on the bucket list. Yes. And Pauly D, obviously, you know, his shows are not exactly our vibe. Absolutely not. Um, The kind of shows I like to go to are like, you know, death metal shows. The opposite. The exact opposite. Yeah. Opposite. <laughs> opposite. <laughs> but it's Pauly D, so I would go. Yeah. We and have I would, to. I would fist pump. Oh, absolutely. That's what you do. He'd be like, look at this one here. She doesn't know how to do it. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, okay. I guess moving on. Moving on. That was, that got out of hand. Out of control. We have a little Chip's Corner today. Yes. He did some research. He did. And... The thing of note would be his instructional video on 70 degrees above the horizon. Yes. And this was a question from our aliens episode. Episode 10. Episode 10. They're here. The one right before this one. So if you haven't listened, just stop. Go listen to that. Yep. Go listen to that one. If you're not listening to a podcast in order, what what are you doing? The idea of not listening to a podcast in order really stresses me out. It does. It does. So we kind of didn't understand what 70 degrees above the horizon meant. And by kind of, we mean we really didn't. We really didn't. And now that I've seen the video, I'm like, of course that's what it means. I can't play you the video because if you heard the audio, it would make no sense to you because there's like (laughs) pictures in this video. Mm -hmm. So if you're standing and you're looking across a lake and there's the horizon, it's flat ground. When an object or whatever, a UFO is 70 degrees above the horizon in his video, he had a little tool thingy. That he uses in his work. No clue what it's called. It's like a half circle and it's metal. You know, it has like Mm -hmm. little things on it. Yes. So literally, if this thing was 70 degrees above the horizon, it's like. Is that like a protractor? Kind of. Yes. Like a large scale protractor. Yes. So say you're looking out across this lake. 70 degrees above the horizon is literally 70 degrees from. Your ground, point of, yes. your point of view, to where it's at in the sky, just really far away. So essentially, straight up from the ground is 90 degrees. Yes. And then 70 degrees is just shy. Just like anything else that you're measuring. But it, at the time, I was like, what does that mean? Well, when you say 70 degrees above horizon, it just doesn't... No. I don't study, like, aeronautics or anything. No. So that just, above horizon is the point at which I became confused. Yes. Exactly. So. We know how to measure degrees. Just wasn't sure what the horizon part meant. Yeah. I was not thinking of that phrase in terms of geometry, Mm -hmm. which, as it has been explained, I am thinking of 
in geometrical terms. Yes. So. So there's that. There's your chips corner and your little knowledge nugget. So you're welcome. Thanks, Chip. Thank you as always. Um, so for the mail portion, I'm not going to be reading an email per se, but we did get a Facebook comment that was super nice. Yes. Um, from our listener, Jacob. Jacob! He commented on one of our posts and said, I listened to the latest today and was cracking up. One, the cancer Taco Bell menu item I disagree with as I'm a cancer as well. Jacob, you are in the right group. Um, But I need to know what your problem is with Dorito tacos because they're fucking awesome. And two, when you mentioned Peace Tea, I was like, damn, she's the one who got me hooked on those. (laughs) They're delicious. So... Thanks, Jacob. Super appreciate you listening. Jacob, you're the best. And so glad that uh, we could entertain you for a little while. Yay. Yay. And if you want to know what your Taco Bell menu item is based on your astrological sign, send us an email or a DM, and we would be so happy to send you that info. Yeah. We didn't create it. No, we did not create it. It was something that Emily shared on my Facebook, and I thought it was hilarious. It's amazing. So amazing. Why don't we think of these things? You know what? I don't know. We're not innovators in that way, I guess. I guess not. But when it comes to t-shirts... Damn, we're on it. Good on the grill? Good on the griddle. (laughs) Okay. Our topic today is a biggie. A big one. We are doing... A cult. A cult. The cult. The cult. The cult you think of when you hear the word cult. Yeah. We are doing the People's Temple. Jonestown. Yes. You probably know it by Jonestown. Jim Jones. Jim Jones. The freaky ass Johnny Cash wannabe. Yeah. Even though I think he was before Johnny Cash. Yeah. Yeah. But Jim Jones and Jonestown, you know, people are always like, oh, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. That's where that's from, if you didn't know. That's where that's from. And honestly, it's been a minute since I have absorbed some Jonestown facts and Mm -hmm. tidbits yeah. So it's kind of a refresher for both yeah. of us. Yeah. Just because you know about it, mm-hmm. you don't want to keep knowing about it. Yeah. I mean, it is it is what it is. Nothing has changed with it. Yeah. It's not like something that's constantly updating. Yeah. It basically ended. Yeah. Yeah. It did. I mean, it did. It did. It did. So, so the People's Temple Agricultural Project mm. is, of course, better known by its name of Jonestown. Indeed. It was a remote settlement in Guyana established by a cult based out of San Francisco called the People's Temple, led by Jimothy Jones. That's right. We're going to get into it. We have 
a pretty good timeline to go through. Yes. And then we're going to touch on, you know, Jim's childhood, mm-hmm. who he was as a person. So I'll let Maddie start off with this timeline here. Okay. Now we're <laughs> taking this way back to 1955. People are having rumbles. We got the greasers out there. Yeah. It's the year my mom was born. Roaming around. It's happening. So the People's Temple was formed in Indianapolis, Indiana. Straight up Midwest. Yes. And uh, it started out as a church. So of course it did. <laughs> uh, it was a uh, part of the Pentecostal sect of churches. Mm-hmm. These are the holy rollers. When you think of people uh, being healed mm-hmm. and the snakes and all, that's Pentecostal. Yes. Here in my family, we are strictly Baptists. We wear dresses to church. <laughs> we do not touch snakes. <laughs> no, thank you. That would be crazy to witness, though. Dude, I have... There are two types of churches I've always wanted to go to. Of course, I would want to go to, like, a Southern Gospel Black church. Yes. And also a Pentecostal church, just because I want to see these people act crazy. Yes. And the thing about, like, a good old Southern church, just, like, seeing that stuff on TV, I'm not a religious person. Yeah. But it's like I can almost feel, like, how emotional they are. Mm -hmm. And it is so moving. Mm -hmm. And it almost makes you kind of jealous that you don't have, like, something like that to feel that way about maybe jealous is the wrong word like you want it makes you want it it makes you want it and you're like god that is so beautiful and different and it's just amazing to see yeah yeah i think witnessing people who are truly in their hearts believe mm-hmm. like people who are re- who really are true Christians or really are like devout Muslims or Jewish these people who really to their heart believe in all of these things because most of these teachings and these different religions center around similar principles like right. love your neighbor as yourself mm-hmm. and clothe the needy, feed the hungry, the... Right. Basically, like, have a good heart. Yeah. And when you see people who really, like, believe that and don't just say it, they actually live that way. Well, yeah. I mean... It's so amazing. Seeing churches and groups and gatherings like that... Yes. ...that are, you know, singing and kneeling and praying and chanting... Opposed to seeing a church where people walk in and sit down and they're silent and then they leave. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't care what you do when you're at church. Yeah. But seeing that kind of stuff, it's really powerful. It really is. My parents didn't make us go to church. Like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't something that was ever compulsory in my family. But my grandparents are really involved in their church. And I always looked at my grandpa as someone who I thought was like, this is what a real Christian person is, Mm -hmm. as opposed to people who are like on TV shouting profanities at people who are LGBT or whatever. Like, yeah, my grandparents aren't doing that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're at home drinking coffee like my grandpa would sit and study his Bible and like all these other things. Like he actually read it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all these people who do all these crazy things, I just want to be like, tell me the last time you uh, read the Bible that you're talking about. Because yeah. I'm guessing it's zero. Yeah. But yes, a real worship service is super powerful. And I feel like in a black church, it would just be like the gospel churches. Yeah, especially in the South. Yes. The passion. Yeah. And I mean, just the passion of Southern people in general. And, you know, that Southern hospitality, it's just different. It is. They're just different people. And us here in the Midwest just honestly aren't as cool as they are. (laughs) So We're, like, polite. Yeah, we're just, like, quiet. We say ope. Yeah. Oh, it's going to squeeze right past you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah, we're a lot more low-key in the Midwest. Yeah, low-key, a little boring. Really, the only thing we have to offer is Casey's Pizza. Uh, we have QT. That's true. We have the cleanest gas station bathrooms you will ever find. <laughs> um, anyway. So I guess that's why it makes this cult so sad. It Yes, and it just gets more sad Honestly, it does. As you probably already know, it just gets much more sad and depressing. So in the early 1960s, Jim Jones, who is the founder of the People's Temple, visits Guyana, which was then a British colony, was one of the only places in South America that was English speaking. Hmm. Um, So the most of the other settlements and areas of South America either spoke Spanish or Portuguese. Um, so while on his way to establish a temporary temple in Brazil, Guyana had a draw for Jones for a number of reasons that we'll get into later. But around the early-ish 1960s is when the People's Temple was coming under a little bit of criticism from its peers in Indiana because they're in the Midwest. It's conservative. Mm -hmm. It's the 60s. And one of the biggest beliefs of the People's Temple was integration, desegregating everything, racial equality, they were huge proponents of this. So the older people mm-hmm. in the Midwest thought this was pretty radical. Now, right. obviously, today it seems 
crazy that that would even be a question, Mm -hmm. but it obviously we all know it was. And this is pre-civil rights movement. Yes. Um, So after dealing with the pushback on the social beliefs, Jones decided in 1965 to move the temple to Redwood Valley, California. It's just much more socially... Yeah. Liberal, obviously. Right. In California. So they set up shop in Redwood Valley, California. That's Northern California. And eventually, when it gets to the early 1970s, the temple opened other branches in Los Angeles and San Francisco and eventually made San Francisco the official headquarters of the People's Temple. So, this is when things start to get a little weird. A little bit. When we talk about Jim Jones's youth, there are a lot of red flags, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, up to this point, the members of the People's Temple aren't seeing or are blind to possibly any faults of his. Because he's said to be super charismatic a very engaging speaker, mm-hmm. all the typical tropes that people talk about when they are discussing a cult leader. Yes, exactly. So, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They have a profile. And he was said also, like, kind of thought of as an attractive man. Yeah. I mean, I can see what they're saying when I look at pictures of him in his youth. Like, right. You know. It's not like when we looked at pictures of David Berg, and I was like, why the fuck are all these women just, like, sleeping with this guy? Like, he's (laughs) gross. (laughs) Jim Jones isn't gross. Right. He's a normal-looking dude. Yes, yes. And He's got the aviators on. The aviators really set him apart. The hair was impeccable. He had some good-ass hair. He had a head of hair. Yeah. You know, that's really saying something. Yeah, absolutely. So he had some shit going for him as far as his ability to attract people to him. In 1973, after a critical article by Lester Kinsolving, I think that's how you say that name, was published and eight members defected, Jones and the Temple attorney, Tim Stowen, prepared an immediate action response plan in case of police or media crackdown. The plan included fleeing to either Canada or a Caribbean missionary post, and the temple chose Guyana. So at this point is really when you see, like, the decline in Jim Jones's mental state. Yes. He starts to become very paranoid about the media and about the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why a minister would think he needs an immediate action response plan to flee the country. Yeah. That's me. Eh. Yeah. So in late 1973, October, the temple directors actually pass a res- resolution to establish an agricultural mission in Guyana. I think what is happening here is that 
Jones has chosen Guyana because it's an English-speaking area and he can manipulate and negotiate the Guyanese officials yeah. and kind of get what he wants. So right. that's really the reason. And he's cloaking it as this agricultural mission, like he's going to help improve the country right. of Guyana. Right. Which is not actually the case. So in 1974, after traveling to an area in northwestern Guyana with Guyanese officials, Jones and the Temple negotiate a lease of more than 3,800 acres of land in the jungle, 150 miles west of the capital, which is Georgetown. So this area is isolated, had soil of low fertility, and the nearest body of water was seven miles away. That's... That's a long way away for water. Yes. And when Jones talks about the settlement in Guyana to his members, he's presenting it as a socialist utopia. Like, they're going to go here. They're going to live communally. They're going to grow their own crops. Mm. They're going to set up their own thing. Which sounds great. And all of these members are really passionate about it, too. Um, So a lot of them volunteer. I think like 500 of them actually go to Guyana before the rest Mm -hmm. to set it up because it's literally the jungle. And seven miles away from the nearest body of water, that's outrageous. Yeah. And uh, side note, it did take the Guyanese government until 1976 to actually approve this lease. They approved it, retro, like, effective retroactively to 1974, but it took them two years to say, yeah, this is okay. Huh. Even though they had let people in to begin construction. That's weird. Prior to this. So I'm confused about... I don't know. This was a weird part of this for me because clearly they had some hangups if it took that long. Right. But then they made it effective retroactively. So on paper, it shows that the People's Temple had been leasing it for two years already. Right. So was there money exchanged prior to this or what's happening with this? I don't know. Huh. So, in 1974, once the officials granted the temple permission to start construction, they also granted them permission to import certain items without requiring them to pass through their customs, a.k.a. Mm duty-free. So, (laughs) this allowed the temple to get shipments of firearms and drugs well, through Guyanese customs. I mean, okay, that's a red flag. Um, also, Jones was able to negotiate the ability to have mass migration of his members into the country of Guyana. Um, so he told 
the government of Guyana that his members were, quote, skilled and progressive, and also claimed to have $500,000 he intended to invest back into the country of Guyana. Of course he told them that. Yeah. So that's all happening in South America. Here in the U.S., Jones is trying to get himself into political circles in the state of California. And in 1975, the whole group of the People's Temple campaigned in support of mayoral candidate George Moscone and were actually key in getting him elected mayor. Moscone then appointed Jones as the chairman of the San Francisco Housing Authority Commission. I just don't understand what what that's about. Well, and why was he doing this when he's moving to a different country? Yeah, I'm all, I'm confused by this a lot. Um he clearly had a thirst for power and oh, yeah. having the ability to exercise it over right. a lot of other people. It seems to me at this point Guyana is a contingency plan for him. Yeah. To where if the waters got a little too hot over here in the U.S., he would just slip down to South America. Yeah, because at this point he has, what, like 3,000 members? Yeah, yeah. That's about what – that's like peak numbers. Right. So probably in 1975 and 76 when he's, like, doing his political shit, it's about 3,000 probably. Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't until 1977 in the summer that Jones and several hundred members actually moved to Jonestown, again, to escape mounting media investigations in San Francisco. Um, At this point, there had been several defectors, all who had made allegations against Jones and the group about physical abuse some sexual abuse, some illegal money schemes. Of course. All of this. Typical cult things. Typical cult shit. He's stealing money from members. He's making them have sex with him. And he's being physically abusive with whoever he wants. Right. So that's what's going on. And he decides, well... Shit has hitteth the fan. Yeah, he's getting a little crazy. He goes super crazy eventually, like weirdly so. But he goes to Guyana. So other people have been there for like three years at this point, and he's just now showing up. So weird. So odd. After Jones and the hundreds of members arrived in Jonestown, it immediately became overcrowded. Of course it did. And the soil was already not fertile and probably not producing, like, many edible crops. Yeah, not enough for thousands of people. (laughs) Exactly. And so the increase in population, of course, strained supplies. And they're 150 miles away from Georgetown. Yeah. That's a long journey. That is so long. They have to, in order to get to Georgetown, they have to fly. Yeah. Because none of them could traipse 150 miles in the jungle. Right. And you can't get there by car. Mm Mm-hmm. So, 
literally, he's isolated these people almost completely. Almost completely. Yeah. So, in September of 1977, so he's only been here for a few months. Mm -hmm. And he has already absolutely lost it. Uh, So, his attorney, Tim Stowen, and his wife, Defect. Mm-hmm. And Jones keeps their five-year-old son. And if you're wondering, if you're not into the culty language, defecting or a defector is someone who leaves a cult. Yes, they have left the cult. And I'm not 100% sure exactly the lo- the logistics behind Jim Jones actually keeping their son. Mm-hmm. Um. There was some allegations that he had made several members sign over custody of their kids to Jones. Yep. So that could be at play here. But Tim Stowen is an attorney. So you would think that he would know that he shouldn't do that. Right. But I don't know. But so Tim Stowen and his wife have left the cult and are in Georgetown, Guyana, trying to get the Guyanese authorities to go and retrieve their son. Mm -hmm. So Jones sets up a false sniper attack upon himself, convinces his members that Guyanese authorities are coming to murder him, and sets up like a perimeter, and he tells the temple members that there are attacks from outsiders and they barricade around themselves with machetes and guns for six days. Good Lord. And this is called the six-day siege. What nonsense is this? That's insane. And this is because he's trying to avoid the order that the Guyanese officials have put out for the son Mm -hmm. of Tim Stowen. So... 1978 is when Jonestown hits its peak of around 900 people. Also, this is the year that Jim Jones's health really begins to decline. So for the first several months of 1978, all the members were required to work in the fields and around the camp 12 hours a day, six days a week. And when his health declined so badly that his wife began to manage the daily operations of Jonestown, she actually reduced the work week to eight hours a day, five days a week. So your typical, like, nine to five shit. Well, um, how thoughtful of them. How fucking thoughtful. <laughs> and by the summer of 1978, Jones was seeking the legal services of Mark Lane and Donald Freed, who were both... Kennedy assassination conspiracy theorists, and this was to help make the case of a grand conspiracy by U.S. intelligence agencies against the temple. So, he's all up in it. He thinks everyone's out to get him. Yeah, he's officially losing it. He's officially losing it. And at this point, there are a lot of relatives back in the States, like, we have no idea what's happening. There's allegations from people who have left the cult. And so Congressman Leo Ryan, who represented California's 11th district, decided he was going to visit Jonestown. He's like, fuck it. I need to I need to check this right. and see what's happening. 
So he leaves with a crew of people on November 14th. And uh, initially they said that he couldn't come in. They're like, no, you can't come in here. Mm -hmm. However, Ryan was basically like, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to see this. And so people who are working with Jones, like his henchmen, told him that Ryan was adamant about coming in and visiting. So they let him in. And the party arrived at the Port Katuma airstrip on the 17th of November. And they were welcomed into Jonestown. So on the afternoon of the 18th, the delegation and a number of defectors wishing to leave Jonestown boarded two planes at Port Katuma. And this is when the shooting started. So (laughs) Jones had planted a person in the group that went back to the planes Mm -hmm. to shoot the pilot of one of the planes. And then there was like a trailer that followed the delegation that was leaving and just like opened fire. So four people were killed, including Congressman Ryan. And on this same day, right after the shooting took place at the airstrip is when Jones called all the members to the pavilion. And there's actually a 44 minute tape of this. I've never seen the tape. I have not seen it, but I did hear parts of it played during the documentary that is on Amazon. Yeah. It's known as the death tape. And this is a speech that he gives where Jones is urging the members to commit revolutionary suicide. After this speech, armed guards surround the pavilion area and vats of juice are wheeled in. These vats of juice are mixed with potassium cyanide and potassium chloride and electric Kool-Aid. Yep. All of the members were required to drink this poison. Uh, Children first. That is repulsive. So parents were required to use a syringe to squirt this juice in their children's throats and then watch them perish uh i just i don't even know what to say because as a parent myself your first instinct in any situation is to protect your child right and i don't think it fucking matters what you're in yeah um I can't speak for being in a cult or being brainwashed, but I cannot understand. These parents were victims, too. Absolutely. Yes, of course. All of these people were victims. But I don't understand how you can do that to your child. Yeah. I mean, at this point, they had no choice. I understand that. Because if they would have picked up their kid and started running, they probably would have been shot down. Yes. Yes. At this point, they were at the point of no return. I just don't know what would have been the better option. They were, they were in a a rock and a hard place here. Yeah. I mean, this is like, like a Titanic situation. Yeah. If they were to say they ran, some people did run and did manage to get away. Yeah. How many like, 
Eight? Yeah, like eight. Not very many. But it's um, worth a shot. And they were later found in the jungle by Guyanese officials, and they were barely alive. So if you're a parent and you're like, I'm not squirting that shit into my kid's mouth, and you like bundle them up and try to book it out of there. I mean, if you get shot, but your kid doesn't die, yeah, I mean, what are they going to – they're they're either going to just grab your kid and bring them back and leave you there. Yeah. Or your kid's just going to be stranded in the jungle. Right. It's – yeah, I mean, it's Ugh. definitely – the circumstances are insane, but as much messed up stuff as I watch and I listen to and – I just recently started a new podcast recommended by a friend and they were asking, you know, which one freaked you out the most? I'm like, uh, none of them. Yeah. But when it comes to anything with kids, I can't. Yeah, it's really tough. Um, It's really tough. Especially when they had no control over being in that situation. They really, yeah. And it, right. I know terrible things happen to children every day. Unfortunately, yes. But this is just something different. This is, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a whole, it's so, yeah. I don't know that there's really a word to describe it. Um, And a third of these people who died were kids. Yeah, so 909 people died at Jonestown. A third of those were children. That means 300. Yeah. Of those people were children. Oh, that's heart-wrenching. And to just top this all off, Jim Jones himself died of a gunshot wound to the temple. Um, Now, Guyanese authorities say that it was consistent with being Mm self-inflicted. However, in a podcast episode... Um, the podcast is called Cults, and they do a two-part episode on Jonestown. And in that show, they talked about some researchers uh, and investigators who said that the gun that was used to shoot Jim Jones was, like, 20 feet away from his body. Huh. So... How would it get that far away from him if it was self-inflicted? Right. So there's theories that he was not intending to commit revolutionary suicide with his members. He was just going to let them all die. And then he was going to, I don't know what, remain alive and go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, probably. Yeah. There are reports that he had said... Because he had been talking about revolutionary suicide for years to his members. And in multiple cases, he said that he needed to remain alive in order to carry their message forward and help save more people. Hmm. So. Wow. What a hypocrite. Goodness gracious. And that is the timeline. That's crazy. That's it's the just a story horrifying. that is, it's always horrifying every time you hear about it. It really is. Because, you know, you hear stories of people, like, slowly poisoning their spouse or whatever for mm-hmm. insurance money or something. 
and that person's just like sick for a long time before they die. But that person has no idea what's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. These people just drank this drink and just sat there anticipating their death. Yeah. Just sat there waiting for the poison to kick in. Like, that is terrifying so to me. It's so terrifying. I, I don't. Can you imagine, like, drinking it and then realizing what you've done and, like, panicking? Like, holy shit. I can, what can I do now? I mean, yeah. I guess you could try to throw up. Yeah. See if that, like, works, but. God, dude. That's so fucking wild. It is. It is. Ugh. Gross. Well, if you're ready for Red Flag City, we can move on to Jim's childhood. Whoop, whoop. So, Jim Jones was born May 13th, 1931. His mother was Lynetta Jones, and his father was James Jones. Mm-hmm. They were a poor family, and, I mean, this was Depression era. Yeah. Yeah. So, couldn't imagine. Yes. That situation. Everyone is poor. Everything is dusty. Yes. It's horrible. They were forced to leave their rural farm and move to the small town of Lynn, Indiana. His father, James Jones, um, sustained lung damage in World War One. So his mom, Lynetta, was actually the breadwinner of the family, and she worked in factories. So that's not really something you hear of in mm-hmm. the 30s. Yeah. Um, yeah. The podcast I listen to, Cults talk a lot about his childhood in the first episode Mm -hmm. and how it sounded like his mom was a really ambitious woman. Yeah. And they weren't really, his parents weren't religious. Right. So he didn't come from like a religious Which is not typical of a religious cult leader. Correct. Not typical. Which I think is probably the reason why his teachings were less religious and more philosophical yeah he was like mad into marxism yeah which i mean i've read some karl marx and it's interesting but yeah karl marx he was a fucking lunatic okay (laughs) he wrote some cool shit but it will make you so nihilistic if you just continually read Karl Marx, which is clear. Mm, Well, yeah. So Jim Jones' dad develops a gambling addiction. And this obviously caused a huge rift between him and his wife. Yes. And Jim became aware early in his life that his parents didn't love each other. And that to him, they weren't there for him like his friend's parents were right i sometimes have a problem with people blaming their actions on their childhood yeah i 100 percent understand that your childhood has a huge impact on who you are as an adult right 
my parents were never married. They were together for a long time before I was born. They split up when I was a toddler. That did not just fuck me up for the rest of my life. Right. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. I. It's not like Jim Jones was abused as a child, you know, sexually abused. Yeah. That's yeah. stuff that fucks you up. Yeah. Toxic I, parents, that kind of thing. Right. Right. I did not read any allegations that he was physically or sexually abused by his parents. Uh, it did say that he was pretty much left on his own by his parents. So, he, like, he was a little bit, like, neglected. Yeah. I mean, and not totally because he, like... But he was. He was on his own a lot. He was alone, basically. It's how he felt, I guess. I just think usually when you're talking about, like, serial killers, cult Mm -hmm. leaders, childhoods, they're messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's nothing that's really out there about his childhood. Yes. That's true. He just had two parents that weren't agreeing on things. Um, they eventually got divorced mm-hmm. and they divorced in 46 and Jim and his mom moved to a much bigger city in Richmond. Yeah. Um, but at a young age, Jim Jones learned to manipulate others. Mm-hmm. He discovered that if he changed his personality to suit different people, he would be rewarded with acceptance. Yeah. So that is kind of a telltale sign of a master manipulator, Mm -hmm. someone who knows how to please people. Mm -hmm. And here is where the red flags start. Mm-hmm. I kind of jumped ahead with the divorce, but we were already talking about it. Yeah. His parents divorced, okay? Yeah. Jim um, liked to collect animals from around his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And his mom allowed him to keep them in their barn. Typical. That's not weird. No. We had a lot of animals at my house growing up. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. It's the Midwest. It's the 30s. It's the 30s. There's fucking cats everywhere, I'm sure. Yes. I'm sure they're every fucking where. But what's weird is he eventually started conducting experiments on them. Hmm. He would torture them and bleed them to practice his surgical prowess. Oh, no. And like we've said before... The animal thing is a huge sign that something is terribly wrong with the way their brain works. Yeah. I am pretty sure like 99% of serial killers have an instance of animal cruelty in their past. Yeah. So. (laughs) As like a crime junkie mother, if you will, if I see like... Like, when the kids were really little, and, you know, kids, like, grab, like, cat's tails and stuff because they don't know how to use their arms. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, wait, (laughs) they're one and a half. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, there's that. Mm. 
So now Jimmy is an adult. It's 1949. He's married Marceline Baldwin. They actually met at the hospital where Jim worked when um, he was completing high school. So it's weird that he would have a job like that. Yeah, I think he was, I mean, doing like custodial stuff. Right. Yeah. They were 18. Well, Jim was 18 when they got married and his wife was 23. Yeah, that's, I mean, quite a bit older. Quite a bit older. Um, but, oh well. Oh well. In the 50s and 60s, Jones gained a reputation for being a charismatic churchman who was a vocal supporter of integration that was not always supported by church elders. So it's the Midwest. Mm. Things are very, it seems like, behind here. Yeah. And even now, sometimes it seems that way. So I can't even imagine what it was like back then. Mm-hmm. He eventually decided to establish his own church, and in 1955, he opened the Wings of Deliverance. Oh, Lordy. Which was a Pentecostal church that would eventually become known as the People's Temple. Madeline wants to know why there was not an apostrophe in the word peoples and People's Temple. Yep, yep. I first... When I was starting to compile the information on this, uh, I was like, oh, why is this article? Why? How did this get through the editing process? And nobody realized that there is not an apostrophe here. And then I kept looking at all the different articles and the titles of documentaries. And I'm like, none of this shit has an apostrophe. Yeah, that's weird. Why? This is clearly when you say the people's temple, the people's is possessive of the temple. Right. So it should have an apostrophe S. (laughs) And I just don't understand why it's not there. And then I thought that, well, the leader of this group is Jim Jones and he's a cult leader clearly has this messianistic idea of himself, mm-hmm. wildly self-centered. So, of course, this temple is his and not theirs. Okay. So, he has taken the apostrophe out. He's so like, you know what? No apostrophes in this house. That's right. You do not get to possess this temple. <laughs> you just comprise the temple. Oh. Well, that's it. That's why... There's no apostrophe. We're going with that. In 61, Jones graduated from Butler University. And in the early 60s, he was known for his work with the homeless. And he actually served as director of Indianapolis's Human Rights Commission. So, stand-up guy. He's, he's really putting it on. Yeah, I mean, he's doing all the right things. Yeah. But here we go down the cult rabbit hole. Yeah. And he relocates his church to California out of fear of nuclear war. Yeah. There's always a doomsday somewhere. Yes. So. Yes. 
Whatever. Whatever. Whatever, Jim. Jim. Good God, Jim. (laughs) So, (laughs) he gets to California. And he settles the church in Northern California, but would eventually make the move to San Francisco and make the San Francisco location the home base. So, following the move to San Francisco... Jones adopts the title of prophet. Uh, of course he does. And becomes obsessed with exercising his power. So it's always negative to give yourself a title. Yes. That is a red flag. And um, he has the members refer to him as father. So he, it's weird, but not weird because it's like churchy. Yeah, it it is churchy. The weird thing about it is, Catholic priests are referred to as father. Yeah, he comes from like the Pentecostal side or whatever, so we would refer to them as pastor or minister. Right. So, in the non-Catholic Christian churches, Protestant churches, I guess. You probably aren't calling them father because they're not a priest, hmm. but it, it, because in the Bible, God is the father. Right. So him calling himself a prophet and then the people calling him father. It's, it kind of contradicts there. Yeah. And he, <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, a prophet, someone who sees and talks to God, he's right. not, you know, so he's both. A prophet of himself. He's a prophet of himself. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so here he also, aside from embodying his fully messianistic ideals of himself, he's also forging his political career. Uh, of course. Uh, so he's leveraged himself into a position on the San Francisco Housing Authority Commission. That's too many words. Um, Through his notable connection with George Moscone, whom Jones and the Temple members helped get elected to the mayoral seat of San Francisco, uh, which is weird. It's, it's, I guess, because this is the 60s and 70s, that it's probably less weird that a minister would campaign on behalf i don't know it just seems weird to me yeah it Uh, like it doesn't belong like it doesn't belong i don't know like churches are tax exempt so why (laughs) i don't know i don't know it just doesn't make sense to me um but really he was able to draw people in with his preachings of racial justice and social equity for all people Um, He drew a lot of his beliefs from his studies of socialism, communism, and Marxism. He often quoted Karl Marx and Vladimir Lenin to, you know, well, Marx obviously is the founder of Marxism and communism. Right. And Vladimir Lenin was someone who wrote a lot of philosophy on Marxism. So... He's reading a lot of things. His brain is confused. His brain is confused. He's got 
Christianity and the Bible on one hand, he's got communism, socialism on the other hand, and he's just like mashing them together. And his sermons are becoming way less about religion and God and much more about socialism and communism. Yeah. But he didn't refer to the group in terms of communism when they moved to Guyana in their commune, instead of referring to them as communists, they were communists because <laughs> they lived in a commune, right? So, okay. Semantics there. Those two words are spelled the same. Um, <laughs> but he also did weirdly radical religious things like stage healings where he would, quote, Heal people of cancer and other illnesses. Of course. Uh, I'm, it, these things are such opposing ideas. Usually mm-hmm. people who are, like, really, like, into socialism and Karl Marx are not religious. Right. Because Karl Marx is an atheist. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. So these things just do not go together. But... These staged healings that he would put on convinced his already devoted members that he was a divine being, and some even would say that he could raise people from the dead. Oh, my God. Ugh. Oh, my gosh. So these people, like, believe that he has some powers. I mean, that that happened back in the day. It it really did. If he If someone tried to do that now, people would be like, Get the fuck out of here. Like those little tents out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. With like the chairs and the platform. That wouldn't fly. And it's like hot as shit in there, but people are like walking again. Everyone's got like a fly on them. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. So (laughs) at this point, allegations begin to arise that Jones is illegally diverting Income of temple members for his own use. Duh. As they do. Duh. Stealing that money. Also, pimple. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Temple defectors have alleged physical abuse. So, the physical abuse is actually really horrific because... um, he would enact punishments on members for whatever, whatever he deemed punishable, whether it was saying the wrong thing, questioning something he has said. And so as a form of punishment, some people would like write lines like they're in elementary school. Okay. And then other people would be subjected to public beatings in front of the entire group. Goodness. And there are, they played some audio on the Colts podcast, and it you can just hear him, like, doing this, like, cackle laugh in the background. Like, oh, look at how much he's bleeding. <laughs> it's, That's terrifying. It's so disturbing. And it just, the idea of a public beating, like, sitting in that congregation and watching people just beat the shit out of someone horrifies me yeah when's the last time in history that that was ever a thing exactly i have no that's just insane like the 
1500s. That's very, very (laughs) medieval. It's crazy. Like, I just, especially you're supposed to be in church. Yeah. He's still calling this a church. Right. And these are people attending and just watching uh, their, their peers just get beat up. Yeah. I can't even watch, like, movies where, like, people get beat up really bad. You know, you know, there are, like, mob movies where they, yeah, a person messes up so they go beat them up or whatever. Right. I can't watch those scenes. And that's fake. And I know it's fake. Yeah. And I still can't watch it. It just really disturbs me. Ugh. Yeah. To inflict that much pain on another human being is wrong. It's so wrong. Yeah, this isn't a a high school scuffle. Right. This isn't, a, yeah. This isn't like where a couple of people are circling up and just do a little. Right. A little hit, you know. They probably miss. Most people in high school don't even get in good fights. They just pull some hair or something. Oh, yeah, definitely not. And then they just walk away. One of them might have a fat lip. <laughs> and they may have caused that themselves. <laughs> oh, oh Jesus. Goodness. But because of these allegations, this is when Jones is like, you know what? I'm a piece out of here. Well, uh, I'm going to run away from my problems. <laughs> and he takes his followers to Guyana. And there's where uh, shit got real bad oh it goes downhill because he arrives in 77 and then the the massacre happens in 78 yeah (laughs) it got bad very very quickly very fast there was no kumbaya up in that place there was not a single second of kumbaya no so you're probably wondering what some of the beliefs were of the people's temple and It's very wholesome. Yeah. All the time, I think about stuff like this. Yeah. So when you just read just, like, their ideals, you're like, yes, this makes sense. I can see why people want to be a part of this. As every cult that's ever existed. Yes, exactly. (sighs) So... It began as a church in the Pentecostal holiness tradition. The members provided assistance to the poor, like food, clothing, housing, legal advice. Um, That's really revolutionary for that time. Absolutely. To provide poor people with legal advice. Yeah. That's That's huge. Yeah. And this kind of... Let Jones's reputation of fostering that racial integration grow. Mm-hmm. So he's like a good guy to these people. And yeah. I don't see why they would have thought otherwise. Right, exactly. Church members worked to promote desegregation efforts in local businesses and restaurants. Um, so lots of community outreach here. Right. And this is typical of the kind of community service work we see from different religious groups now. It was 
very radical in the 50s. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because we all know, I mean, at, at least, you know, citizens of the United States, what kind of shit was happening then. Right, 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 right. We're talking, you know, separate water fountains, yeah. that sort of thing. Just absolutely disgusting things. Yeah, I, it's so hard for me to... I say it's hard for me to imagine, but obviously, like, white supremacists out here, like, running around acting this way still. Yeah. Yeah, still. And, and I just want to be like, can you, like, maybe jump off a cliff real quick? That'd be great. I can't like, even get off on that tangent. I don't want to wish harm on people, but I need those people to, like, jump off a cliff. Dude, I'm over it. I'm fucking over it. It is fucking 2021, people. <sighs> what What is going on? I am this close to finding a cabin in Canada with my family. Keegan said he could convince his boss to let him work remotely from Canada. I'll waitress at the local diner that all the old guys hang out at. My kids will be homeschooled because everyone sucks. Mm. Yeah. And I just don't ever want them to see how ugly this world is. It really is. It is so ugly. And the more time that goes by... You think, well, things got a lot better for a while, and now it's like, excuse me? Yeah. That's a different story, but... Yeah, it's it's Fuck. horrifying, and I am disgusted horrifying. by everything that I'm seeing on the news. It's disgusting, it's embarrassing, and I just can't. I fucking can't. No. So here these people are in the 50s doing the right thing. Yes. Doing the right thing. Under the guidance of Jim's wife, Marceline, the temple acquired a number of properties in the Redwood Valley and established nine residential care facilities for the elderly, six homes for foster children, and... Happy Acres, which was a state-licensed ranch for mentally disabled adults. In addition, the Temple families took in others needing assistance through informal networks. Yeah, and I I do want to caveat the, like, facilities. I do think that the Temple was receiving money for the at least the residents in like their nursing homes for the elderly and for the foster children. Yes. Um and the state licensed ranch for mentally disabled people. But still, but these still, are good things. They're good things. They they are making a profit off of this, so it's not like they're just obviously they have to be cuz how can you run facilities? This wasn't a donation. This wasn't a donation, but they're doing the work. They're doing the work. They're, they're opening the things. They're filling a need. For, you know, there's, because a lot of these are marginalized groups that get forgotten. Elderly people, foster children, foster children, and people with mental health issues. Right. Especially at this time, people with mental health issues, it was basically 
not even acknowledged that mental yeah. health was a thing. Yeah. So. For a long time, long, even after that. Long time. So around this time, that's when a lot of college-educated adults began to trickle in. Mm-hmm. Um, they used their skills as teachers and social workers to attract more members to a movement they saw as preaching the social gospel of redistribution of wealth. Mm. But the core was made up of thousands of African Americans. Right, which makes everything that happened really sad because these are people who are working for their communities. Like, at this time, prior to and during, like, the Civil Rights Movement, they're seeing their communities, uh, the community, the Black community suffering a lot more. Absolutely. Especially, like, the wealth disparity and between, like, the different racial groups, they're seeing that. So they think they're in a group that is there to help those people who are marginalized the most. They're on their side. They're, they feel like they have someone on their side mm-hmm. who's fighting for their community. Right. And it's not just them. It's other people because most of the constituency are African Americans, but there are white people in there. So they mm-hmm. feel like they have an ally. Yeah. In I this mean, group. things are coming together as they should. Yes. So the promise of racial equality and social activism operating within a Christian context enticed them, of course. Obviously. The Temple's revolutionary politics and substantial programs sold them. And I don't see why it wouldn't have. Right. Right. Because nothing, there was nothing else like this out there. Exactly. Regardless of the motives of their leader... The followers wholeheartedly believed in the possibility of change. And, you know, reading about something like this, you think, well, how could anyone possibly think that they would actually make a change in the way things are? And obviously, this was a cult and something completely different. But why wouldn't people join something like this to just for there to be a possibility of it opening up other people's eyes? Right, right. It's not going to, it has to start somewhere. Exactly. And, you know, they had, this gave them hope. Yeah, absolutely. Members and non-members received a variety of free social services, rental assistance, funds for shopping trips, health exams, legal assistance, and student scholarships. By pooling their resources in addition to filling the collection plates, members received more in goods and services than they might have earned on their own. And they called it apostolic socialism. Living communally not only saved them money, but it also built solidarity. Although communal housing existed in Redwood Valley, it was greatly expanded in San Francisco. Entire apartment buildings in the city were dedicated to accommodating unrelated temple members. Many of them were senior citizens who they lived with and cared for. So, like, it's weird, but it's not super weird. Right. Yeah. It's not, I don't know. It doesn't seem as sinister as some of the others. Yes. So, it's not like 
in the children of God where you had like five families living in a single family home. And yeah. Yeah. There's no Moe's letters floating around. No, 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 no. Um, but things changed, uh, when they got to Guyana. Yes, they did. <laughs> so prior to actually relocating to Guyana, the temple members were told by Jones that Jonestown would be their socialist utopia. Um, this turned out to be incorrect. The temple members were required to work long days in the fields trying to cultivate lands that were not fertile. And they had to endure harsh punishments if they questioned anything. Um, so... In Guyana, when they get to Jonestown, Jim Jones basically just lets the facade fall and is like, uh, yeah, I'm the leader. Yeah, I'm the leader. I'm fucking crazy. And this you, is what's going on. You don't question anything I do. And if you do, uh, we're just gonna severely be you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm gonna laugh about it. And you can't go anywhere because... We are hundreds of miles from any type of civilization, and you'll just get lost in the jungle. So, yeah, he immediately becomes this dictator, wildly paranoid psycho Yes, when they get here. Upon their arrival, their passports and medications are confiscated. They're in the jungle, so they're consistently plagued by mosquitoes and rampant disease. Armed guards patrol the jungle compound and members are encouraged to inform on one another. So... Ooh, just a bunch of snitches out there? Just everyone being told to tell the authorities on everything everyone else does. So it's fostering this distrust between the members and that's, that's just, I can't imagine how living here was. They come to this place thinking it's going to be this great utopia. And then, uh, no, it isn't. Yeah. It's horrible. Members were required to attend long late night meetings where Jim Jones would just give long orations on whatever the fuck he needed to talk about. Yeah, that's pretty common amongst yes. cult leaders, too. Yes. Like to hear themselves talk. Um, their letters and phone calls were all monitored and censored, so they weren't allowed to say or write anything unless it was approved by the higher-ups. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Jones uh, was declining in health while also being wildly addicted to drugs. Um, so he told the members that he was addicted to vitamin injections, but they were really amphetamines and painkillers. Um, his drug of choice was quaaludes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Every time I hear the word quaaludes, I just think of Leonardo Wall DiCaprio. Yes. Where are the ludes? <laughs> Every single time. I just like see his face. 
one of the best movies that's ever been made. Oh, such a good movie. <laughs> so, um, and the, the drug addiction caused Jones to become very, very paranoid, even more paranoid than he was already. Because he seems to have this natural paranoia inside right. of him. And Same. <laughs> Uh, and drugs just made that tenfold. Yeah. Um, and obviously he's not in tune with reality. Uh, he had a throne for himself in the main pavilion and he compared himself to Vladimir Lenin and Jesus. Oh my God. So, um, he became convinced the government was out to destroy him. And he required the members to participate in mock suicide drills called white night drills. And they occurred in the middle of the night. I don't know that these were every single night, but they were multiple nights per week. For months and months, they would do these white night drills. Where That's they insane. Would like, there was like a PA system and he would come over the intercom and it would be like, attention, attention. And they would have to go to the main pavilion and like... Stand around. Uh, so, yeah, that is life in Guyana. So, real nice. Yep, luxury travels. Mm. So, we're at the tail end of this cult now. Yes, we are. And we went over it a little bit before. Mm-hmm. But... After the murders of Congressman Ryan and his group... Um, Jones urged that his group commit suicide or the Guyanese military would come and take their children away. Mm. That's fucking weird. Yes, it is. The idea of what he called revolutionary suicide is something that he had tried to indoctrinate his members with for quite a while before then. Mm-hmm. Um, with the white knight drills and these were practices to show him their readiness. Yeah. Mm. And he would tell them at the end of them, like you have passed the test. You were not poisoned or whatever. So sometimes he would like make them like drink. And he did a version of this when they were still in San Francisco where he's like, Gave them all a drink of wine. He's like, you've all been poisoned. And then everybody was like, what the fuck? (laughs) And then he's like, just kidding. You passed. Oh, my God. Huh? I'm sorry. That should have been a you need to get the fuck out message to Mm -hmm. the people he fake poisoned. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't. I think those people ended up in Guyana. So we all know the electric Kool-Aid. The cyanide-laced punch. Um, If you didn't drink it, you were injected with it. And so the way Jones had these parents poison their children first, he did this because he explained that they wouldn't have to be afraid. Huh. Which is an absolute lie, because if the parents poisoned themselves first and they died, the children would have lived. Yeah. So, yeah. 
He just wanted all of them to die. Yeah. He wanted to be in control to the very end of all these people. Right. And Jones referred to the massacre as revolutionary suicide. And some people you hear call it mass suicide. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, it, that's not suicide. These people were forced to drink it. That's murder. So. Oh, yeah. I. It's like kind of a tough one. It is. I. I don't like saying these people killed themselves. Right. They were clearly not given any other choice. Yes. You can't be like, oh, well, this is what I would have done. Right. At that point. Yeah. Things were fucked. Yeah. They had, they were in too deep and they, there was nothing else they could do. And I'm sure out of those 900 people, there were some that actually did believe in this. Yeah. But again, they've been indoctrinated with these wild radical beliefs of Jim Jones. So really, their free will is not at work here. Yeah. Not at all. So I labeled this as mass murder. It's also like a massacre is what some articles refer to it as. So I think massacre is a good term. Absolutely. So... Anyway, so since Jim Jones died at Jonestown, however he died, whether or not he shot himself or when one of the members who had not yet succumbed Mm -hmm. to death from the cyanide realized and was like, "Uh, excuse me, uh, all these people died, you're coming as well, regardless of which way that went. Um. There really wasn't anyone to prosecute for these crimes, with the exception of one person. So it's the tiniest bit of consolation for the family of the victims. So in the end, along with helping unravel the chain of events and bring closure to the families, they were able to make a case against Larry Layton, who was the only member of the People's Temple tried in the U.S. for criminal acts. Um, at Jonestown, he was ultimately ultimately extradited, convicted, and sentenced to life in prison. So Larry Layton is one of the guys who led the assault on the airstrip mm-hmm. of Congressman Ryan. And I don't know exactly how he escaped the massacre itself. He probably knew about it. He probably knew about it and just... Didn't return. Yeah, he clearly just dipped out, but he was found extradited and is now serving a life sentence in prison. But that's the only person that they could hold accountable for what happened. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of a, I don't know. It's a weird ending. I. It's a weird ending. I mean, that's... Everyone fucking died. Yeah, everyone died. And, you know, that's... It's so terrible and tragic and so messed up that I can't believe, like, cults are still a thing after Jonestown. I know. And what's weird is that this is happening 
at the exact same time the Children of God cult was happening. Mm -hmm. How weird is that? Two really, like, terrible cults that did really horrible things to people are happening simultaneously. Right. This was a weird time. Weird time. I, and I think I said this in episode two. Episode two, hit it up. Children's, nope, not children's temple. (laughs) No. (laughs) Children of God. I've always believed that I would have loved to have been born like early 50s. So I could have been like a teenager, mid, late 60s, been in my early. Yeah. No, I don't think so. No. The no. cults and the serial killers out there lurking in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And also, not great times for women. No. So. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah. But. It's just, it's all bad. It's all bad. Cults are bad. Ugh. We've yeah. marked this one off of our list. Yeah, this is it. We've covered like the three really big ones. We have. Yeah. What was our third cult? Nexium. <laughs> well, this is our third one, but yeah. <laughs> right. Nexium. That one. Uh, that one was so wild because it's like current. I know. That's why I was like, "What other cult did we do?" Yeah. Huh. I know. It's, so it's insane. There's a lot of info in this. Yeah. And that's re- like scratching the surface. There's a lot of other oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we probably would have been on here talking for three, four, five hours. Oh, yeah. Easily. There's so much more stuff. Uh, definitely watch the documentary on Amazon Prime. I don't remember the title. But Is it Paradise Lost? Yes. That's the one. Yes. It was free on Amazon Prime. Because there's Paradise Lost and then mm-hmm. The Life and Death of People's Temple. Yes, which I could not find available. And then there's the Women Behind. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't watch that one. Yeah. I haven't seen that one either. So it was, yeah, the Paradise Lost one. Not to be confused with Paradise Lost about the West Memphis Three. That's totally yes. different. Yes. But... It'll be in our description with all our other sources. So watch that. It's good. Yeah. Check those out. I mean, if you're, I mean, obviously we're the ones doing the podcast, but where we pull our material from um, is always in our description and they should be linked. Yeah. I usually make sure whenever I format our sources uh, that the website is a hyperlink yeah. so that you could just click and it'll take you straight to that particular article. Right. Um, but we try really hard to make sure the articles are like CNN, history.com. Yeah. You know, not strictly Wikipedia. I mean, we look at Wikipedia, but I'm getting like the nitty gritty from like legitimate ass articles. Yeah. I mean, you can go into Wikipedia and get some dates. Yeah, that's really all it's good for. And we typically, we try really hard to watch and find documentaries about what we're going to talk about. Yeah, I mean, most of our topics are things we know about already, but with documentaries, it's such a good refresher. Mm -hmm. 
So that's it. That is it. If you would like to give us a little bit of help, please, we would just love it if you would subscribe to the show. Uh, That would be awesome. And share us with your friends. And if you feel like it, you can rate us five stars. Would would, love that. We would really love that. And if you write us a little review, we know you're a straight up wordsmith. So show off a little. Get creative. um, And we will appreciate it. And we will give you a little what's up. Yeah, the one of the first things I did when I got my iPhone was I found us on Apple Podcasts and gave us a five-star rating. <laughs> <laughs> I've given us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Dude. I feel like if you don't support yourself, other people aren't going to want to support you. But should I write a review? I have not written a review. <laughs> I think that would be so cheesy. Because I feel like people would, like, go to our Apple Podcasts, like, little page and be like, that. That one's Maddie. That one's Emily. <laughs> They're putting the pieces together. Those are the hosts of this show. Oh, <laughs> that, gosh. That might get a little weird, but I did rate us five stars. So, And I remembered on we're in a couple of Facebook groups, um, podcast yes. groups. It's cool. And someone commented on our cover art they did they said it looked really cool and they loved it yes so on these groups in order to prevent the feed from getting clogged up with people just wanting to promote their show Mm -hmm. they set aside a single post thread that is only like only on certain days you can like plug your latest episode and so uh it was wednesday yesterday i Put our link to our most recent episode, episode 10, they're here, listen to it. And the artwork was applauded. Thanks, Haley. Yeah, that's super awesome. Of course, because the logo is fucking cool as shit. Uh, I'm telling you, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. We'll keep it. We'll keep it. It was so hard for us to choose because Haley is so creative and she had a dozen ideas for us to choose from. And we literally went at her and I think I screenshotted like four or five images that I thought we may like and sent them to her, told her what the name was. She sent us options and we just like nailed that shit down. Yeah. I was literally, when you said our name, I was, like, going to say, oh, and somebody said they really liked our name. And then I was like, wait, no, that was you. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot that it was you who texted me, like, our name is fucking legit. (laughs) Last night, I just was like, Uh, bro, I fucking love our podcast name. (sighs) Oh, yeah. So, so anyway, thanks Haley and Ariel, you're fucking killing it. I really want to get our theme song. Theme song is that what it's called? Yeah, it's our theme song. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> I really want to get that put into like a file to where I could have it as my ringtone. Yeah, dude, she could definitely like send it to us. Ariel, I actually, 
I have the file on... Are we about to turn that shit on speaker and just record it with our phone? No. Like I, the good old days? I First of all, I don't know if you can actually do that still. <laughs> um, but I do think that the file I have, we could probably download I think to we the phone could too. And figure out how to make it a ringtone. We'll put that into the works. Um, Got to represent ourselves. As I just said, we have to support ourselves. Absolutely. Um, you guys support yourselves. We're going to self-support, self-affirm. Everyone's killing it. We're just going to say it up front. Yeah. I, I've been seeing so many memes where people are like, no one say anything about 2021. Come in quietly. Yes. Don't touch anything. Let's ride this one cool as a cucumber until we see what's really waiting. Yeah, and then we came <laughs> out first up 2021. We're like, the fucking aliens are here. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready, everyone. Um, Please. But I still think that we need to, you know, be like, hey, self, we're killing it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Self-affirmation is a thing that we all got to do sometimes. So our socials. Yeah. Our Instagram is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I have a good time with it. I really love creating um, our little images for our episodes. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of fun. And I've never really done anything like that before. Yeah. So check out our Instagram. It is at what if I told you pod. You'll find our little logo as our profile picture. You'll know it's us. We yeah. have a Facebook, which is the same shit I post on our Instagram, copied yeah. and pasted. And it is what if I told you podcast. And our email, of course. Of course. What if I told you podcast at gmail.com? Yep. You can communicate with us in any of those outlets. Yeah. Send us a DM. Yeah. Uh, DM. I I don't, I mean, you could comment on one of our Facebook posts. You could. Uh, We would love to get a message from you. Even if you want to send us a picture of your dog or your cat. Yeah, you know that we are into pod pets. Yeah, and we are trying to acquire some good content for bonus material in the future. Yes, we want to create some more episodes that are a little, probably quite a bit shorter. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that are more centered around... Just life. Life and the listeners. So we have ideas in the works. For bonus content, um, we just, we we need a few emails. Yeah, we just need a little help from you. Yeah, we need, we need you to clock in. Please. And get those emails coming. So. Um, and I think that's going to wrap it up for this one. That's it, y'all. And, uh, you know, we're going to start this year off correct by being kind to one another. And staying weird. Okay, bye.